Hawkeye Insider David Eichel along with Sean Bach for a season concluding Swarmcast as Iowa. Uh, this basketball season is done after a 95-80 to 80 loss to Oregon. And, Sean, I guess we start right at the top. We've talked all season long going into, you know, all season long before the season, during the season about the potential of this team and where it could go. But ultimately, the defensive woes just were a complete letdown. And they – and Oregon got hot early. They were in control for, I think, the final 25 minutes or so. It was pretty back and forth for the opening 15 minutes. But the balance of Oregon and the great shooting night that they had, and ultimately it was pretty bizarre too. I mean, Luca Garza carrying the load, 36 points on 14 of 20 shooting, three of four from three, grabbing nine rebounds and really leaving it all out there. But Joe Wieskamp, 17 points and 17 shots, but Bohannon, Frederick, and Connor all went scoreless, and Iowa starting backcourt, given no points, and when you're going up against a bunch of athletic guards who are shooting the ball incredibly well against Oregon, it, it was a recipe for disaster, and I think you pointed this out early in the season, too, that Iowa's defensive woes might cost them, but Oregon, just from a matchup perspective, was just a – it was a mismatch for Iowa in the style of play they wanted to play with just because of the quickness of the guards. But let's start right at the top. I mean, there's so many storylines to get to. But like I said, I think the defense let down. And Oregon was just I, – I thought their ball movement, the defensive tenacity, they rattled Iowa, and they let guards to get his. But ultimately, the, the, they were able to close out quickly on shooters. And Oregon's moving on. And, you know, the granite, they didn't have a first round game. The only team in the tournament that did not play a first round game due to COVID-19 uh, within the VCU program. But Oregon was not rusty at all. And they certainly looked very, very well rested. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, it's always kind of been a topic of conversation in college sports, you know, the Pac-12, both in football and basketball being down the past couple of years. And, you know, Oregon's always had talented teams. I mean, they had Peyton Pritchard from a couple years ago. Um, they had Jordan Bell. They had Dylan Brooks. They had a bunch of other guys. And, you know, this was kind of a year where they had where they had some pretty good hoopers on their team. But it's not like there were any studs like that, you know, they had with those other teams. I mean, Eugene Omier, Omo Rui is a leading point scorer for them. And, you know, he got his stay as well. I mean, Duarte was unreal. And, yeah, like like I said, I mean, this was this was the worst case scenario for Iowa. When I was looking at the game film Sunday afternoon on Oregon, you know, I always thought they did such a good job of just spacing the floor and, you know, finding open guys to get those open shots. And, you know, they were shooting well. I think they were ranked 15th in the country in three-point percentage offensively coming into this game. And, you know, in the back of my head the whole time leading up to this game, I was thinking to myself, if – Oregon's able to spread the floor, which I think they will be able to. If they're shooting the ball as well as they're capable of, I don't see Iowa winning this game. And, you know, I think the Ducks shot very well, but I think they shot a little bit better than, you know, many people were expecting to. And, I mean, same goes for Iowa. I mean, we talk about the offensive output they had. Obviously, Luca Garza um, had a great game. Joe Wieskamp had 10 points in the second half, 18 or 17 to finish the game. But outside of them, I mean, they got a nice, they got a couple of nice spurts from Patrick McCaffrey in the first half. Um, you know, Joe Tucson had a couple of buckets. Tony Perkins had a couple of buckets. But you know, guys like Jordan Bohannon and C.J. Frederick, two key guys in your offense, especially from the perimeter, just couldn't get going. 
And it's not like it was one of those games, too, that we saw with Indiana where, you know, the Hoosiers were able to muck it up a lot and make it kind of ugly. Like, this was a mm-hmm. free-flowing, like, fast-paced, up-tempo game, a game that, you know, we've kind of seen – we've kind of become accustomed to with Fran McCaffrey – with Fran McCaffrey's teams. But, you know, just the athleticism and, you know, the small ball play and, you know, penetration, the dribbling – um, just getting guys open and, you know, spreading the floor as well as Oregon did. I mean, Luca Garza is no doubt the best player. I was the best player on the floor today, but just the matchups that they had. I mean, Luca's not going to be a reliable perimeter defender. Let's just put that out there. And I think we've seen that as well. I mean, he plays hard. He works hard. He's an okay defender, but it's not his strength is to work on the perimeter. I'm not saying he was the reason for it, but you know, just Oregon, what they were able to do and, you know, how they were able to break down Iowa's defense. We've talked about it so many times throughout the year. I've talked about it so many times is that Iowa's defense, you know, you get one or two passes. The worst thing you can do is if you're playing against Iowa's defense is if, you know, you take one or two pass and shot. The best thing to do is make multiple passes, make that extra pass, because once their defense breaks down, and once they have to rotate and scramble, that's when things really get crazy for them. And that's when teams are really able to take advantage of what Iowa um, is trying to do for defensively. And, you know, that's what Oregon did such a good job of, you know, driving, kick, find find the open guys, you know, space the floor, get going in transition, make Iowa defend, and, you know, hit shots. And that's what it is, cliches it sounds like. They just absolutely, just their offensive output was really just a clinic. It was super impressive to watch. And, you know, Iowa was just left kind of being like, what do we do? Just waiting for them to miss. And, you know, you kind of thought in the second half that you were kind of waiting. You kind of felt like at halftime that, you know, maybe if Oregon starts missing a couple of shots, you know, Iowa's got a chance. But, you know, they just didn't let up. They just kept putting it down on them. Shot 56% from the floor, 44% from three, made those 11 threes. And, you know, turn the ball over 11 times, but, you know, they just made up for it with, with their shooting ability and just execution on the offensive floor. Yeah, and I mean, like you said, I mean, I think you bring up a couple of good points. I mean, obviously, Oregon turned the ball over 11 times. Iowa turned that into 17 points. But, again, I think Oregon's perimeter defense was actually pretty good today. Iowa shot 32%, 8 of 25. Garza was three of the three they made threes. And, like you said, Tony Perkins – you know, shocked me right when he came in, just pulled up from three with confidence and, and got to go in his first career three. And I thought Joe Toussaint's hustle made a big difference. I know he had three turnovers as well, but you know, right when Richardson blew by Jordan Bohannon on the first couple of possessions, Sean, that's when I was like, this is not going to be a Jordan Bohannon game. Like I know Jordan's shown flashes of being a, a decent defender and has had flashes of really being a good defender through stretches. It just was not going to be the case today in Oregon again with their, free-flowing offense and just the, the whole balance that the team had. I mean, you look at four of their stars, 19 points, 17 points, 23 points, 21 points, and you look at the same thing, and I think they shot – it was 31, 31 of 51 from the field between four of the stars. I mean, you're not going to win many games like that. I mean, the, the efficiency was ridiculous, and – I thought Iowa really did a poor job today, Sean, of feeding Garza in the post. I feel like Garza had to really kind of do his own thing and create his own baskets, whether it be second chance opportunities or just maybe kicking out. But, you know, for Connor, I know Connor McCaffrey was only played 12 minutes and he was hurting. CJ Frederick was hurting. He played 13 minutes, but 
You know, I thought Iowa just did a poor job of feeding guards. I tweeted before the game that Iowa needed to feed him. If he has to kick it back out, he will, but run the offense through Luca because that is such a huge size advantage for Iowa. But I, I feel like at times they got away from it. And again, Oregon's offense efficiency and the way they moved it, it uh, you really can't do much to stop it at that point. Yeah, and we see teams before too, you know, shade off of Connor McCaffrey. And, you know, they were doing a really good job of that when Joe Tucson was on the floor as well. And I thought, you know, it's kind of similar to the Illinois Loyola game on Sunday. I mean, it wasn't to that level um, with the way that the Ramblers play defense. But, you know, I kind of felt like Oregon was maybe baiting <clears throat> um, Iowa to shoot a little better, you know, to hit guys on the perimeter. Yeah. Um, not just to get steals, but, you know, because they knew that they were going to be able to contest shots. And, you know, we've seen guys like Joe Wieskamp and C.J. Frederick take take their uh, – defenders off the bounce you know we saw here and there from we today he wasn't as great at it um and you know but cj frederick battling the way battling the injuries that he has like that's that was not that was not in his cards today um so you know yeah defensively i thought they did a good job i thought oregon did a really good job of, you know jumping out to closeouts um making iowa feel uncomfortable with their pressure as well i mean i thought right off the bat will richardson um, or Jordan Bohannon guarding Will Richardson was was a mismatch, especially with the way I mean, Richardson kind of you know from the jump really exploited Bohannon with you yeah. know his playmaking ability, his slashing ability, you know getting into the gaps and you know getting downhill and putting that pressure on Bohannon to guard someone four inches taller than him. That's pretty that's more athletic, um, and you know had a tough time staying in front of him too. I think the first basket of the game was on a down cut. Um, that, you know, freed up Richardson for an easy layup and one. And, you know, after that, it was kind of like, yeah, like that's that's probably not going to work out. And I thought Joe Toussaint gave really encouraging minutes, but, you know, Joe Toussaint's 5'10", 5'11". He's not necessarily – like he'll compete, no doubt, but, you know, that's another mismatch right there. And, you know, we talked about I, – I blame myself for talking about it as well. I mean, we discussed how, you know, like – Oregon, not necessarily a tall team, but you know they got height across the board with their stars at six foot, like three or four guys being about six foot six, and you know their point guard being six foot five. So we always talk about guards and I was able to dominate, but you know small ball really won this matchup. And you know I think having guys like C.J. Frederick not fully at one hundred percent hurt. I think the same thing with Connor McCaffrey, whether you like it or not. I think him not being all the way there um, really hurt this Iowa team and. You know, Keegan Murray didn't have the best game ever either. I thought no. this maybe would have been a game that he would have been able to thrive and really, you know, score like 10, 15 points. He had six points, but it was on two of nine shooting, one of five from three. And, you know, his three-point shooting was the best – was his best trait coming into Iowa, but he just did not seem confident from distance today. Um, so, you know, yeah, there was just a lot of things that you can point out that went wrong. I mean – I think on a positive note, I think Patrick McCaffrey's contributions were really positive. I think Tony Perkins gave some good minutes. Loved what I saw from Joe T in the first half. But, you know, outside of Wieskamp and Garza, you know, there wasn't really many signs for encouragement. And, you know, to win an NCAA tournament or make a run in the NCAA tournament, you can have one guy, but all your guys have to be clicking. You guys all got to be playing in unison. I mean, Oregon's a prime example of that just absolutely dominated Iowa in the second half. And, you know, I think one thing we're not talking about much as well is, you know, in late in the first half, you know, that kind of really seemed to yep. be 
when the momentum slipped, um, when Oregon got went on that big run and you know made a double digit game. And what what was the mo- what was that the second half? I think it was um, at the end of the first half. I mean, the end of the first half was, they went on just a, I think it was an eighteen to ten run in Iowa and like because they were they went from being down to up double digits and then the foul. You know, I felt like the whole mentality of Iowa would have shifted a bit had Iowa held them on the last possession to make it a single-digit game. But, man, I mean, that was yeah. one of Tony Perkins' only really poor plays of the day was fouling on a three-point shot. And he, I mean, he, he did foul him, but, you know, like you said, it, it it's it's tough for me right now to put into perspective of this team, but we talked about it all year. Iowa could have won the national title. They could have been eliminated in the second round. It was all matchups and defense, and Iowa – Again, or I thought, and this is not an excuse by any means. I thought Oregon was very underseeded, but at the end of the day, if you're a top two seed, you got to be able to go out there and beat all these guys. You you have to. And Iowa did not, and now it's going to be a new era of Iowa basketball starting next year. I mean, you think of guys like Jordan Bohannon's gone, Luke, your all-time leading scorer is gone. We'll get into this later. Joe Wieskamp was asked post game about his future at Iowa, and he said he'll disclose that at another time. But I have a hard time right now seeing Joe Wieskamp come back for a fourth year. I think he could add some strength. But I mean, look at the guy's stats. I mean, he was shooting, I think, 47, 48% from three this year, led the Big Ten in three pointers. I mean, it's tough for me to see him come back. So then you look at guys like Patrick McCaffrey, you look at Keegan Murray, you think of CJ Frederick. I mean, it's going to be a very different Iowa team next year, but I will say this, and I'll have an article on this sometime the next day or two. I mean, Luca really did, I thought. He, he deserved a better ending than what he got. I mean, you compare what happened last year with COVID-19, and he came back to try to lead this team, and obviously he was as gracious as ever post-game, took full accountability for it, and he said, you know what, I wasn't good enough. I didn't lead us to farther than the tournament. I didn't lead us to a Sweet 16, but, you know, it uh, – it is going to be a very different era, Sean, for, for Iowa basketball when fans are allowed back in Carver not to see number 55 on the court. Instead, they'll see him in the rafters. Yeah, it'll be definitely be interesting. I mean, I, I'll have an article coming out either tonight or tomorrow morning where I'm kind of going to go through, you know, what this 2021-2022 roster looks like. You know, I think there's signs for – I think there's going to be some positives, but – I also think there's going to be negatives. I don't think this team will be as good offensively as they were this year, but I think the defense might take a step up. And, you know, that's that's going to be a positive. But I also think there's going to be times where you kind of look back to this year. When you're when we are in next year, you're going to look back. You're going to want – you're going to look back to, you know, this year and be like, oh, man, like I wish your offense was there. Wow. You're saying this year, oh, well, wow, I wish our defense was there. Um so, yeah, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be very interesting. We've we talked about it before. I mean, Fran McCaffrey's even said that he's an offensive coach. And, you know, having a team that's not necessarily going to be at the top or, you know, expected to be near the top offensively is definitely going to be an adjustment for a lot of people. And, you know, I think that could benefit Iowa, but I also think it could really hurt them because we saw this team rely so much on their offense over the past few years. And, you know, especially this year, it's going to be, it's going to be a very interesting dynamic. Um, you know, it's going to be going to be a big offseason as well. You know, the transfer portal, I think 
I will have to go after a big man transfer pool. I think, yeah. you know, there's a possibility of them going after a Jordan Bohannon type replacement, as we've already said. And, you know, who knows if Joe Wieskamp ends up going to the NBA, maybe they'll try and get a guy in the wing or, you know, maybe they'll take another guy in the 2021 class. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot that can happen. A lot can change and it'll be interesting to see what happens. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon. When a thought hits you, I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road with available H track, all wheel drive and three row seating. My whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, I mean, I'm very excited and kind of eager to dive into this film for some of the new guys. Uh, Obviously, see Peyton Sanford coming next year and see if he can carve out a role, but I'm excited to kind of project this team's future. But, I mean, it really is kind of a, a bitter end. It's a disappointing ending for... You know, whether people love him or hate him or, you know, I'll say they're growing tired of him. But, I mean, Jordan Bohan's going to be an unforgettable Hawkeye, what he's done in his career. I mean, he's near the top all-time in Big Ten three-pointers. He's the all-time assist leader. He's been just a huge advocate for the University of Iowa. And obviously, like I've already mentioned, Luca Garza not coming back next year. And, I mean, you got I got to give Luca a lot of credit here because there was a lot of he, he kept his composure and spoke very, very well, despite, you know, the heartbreak that he said he was feeling after the loss today. But, I mean, there, there's a lot of things I think you could dissect about this Oregon game, Sean, but the one consistent factor in the under, that I just continue to come back to, I mean, Oregon just thoroughly outplayed Iowa. I mean, the, the, Iowa did not deserve to win that game. Oregon's balance, the way they coached. I thought Fran made a couple of really good coaching moves. They like bringing in Tony Perkins, Joe Toussaint off the bench. And I, I, I think you have to give him credit, too, throwing in Aaron Eulis because he was just looking for anything uh, to spark some momentum. But I think we need to be able to talk about this, too, Sean, is Connor McCaffrey has been playing with two torn labrums, which is absolutely insane to me that he's been able to, to just play high-level basketball with that, with that injury. Look at C.J. Frederick's been nowhere near 100% for the past few months. Jack Nungy's injury and Joe Wieskamp, I thought it was an ankle injury when he kind of tweaked it when he was trying to dribble in the second half, trying to dribble past the guy. And he actually tweaked his Achilles, he said, instead of his ankle. I mean, the team has just been so beat up all season long. And again, I'm not saying that played the factor, make it or break it. But man, I mean, Iowa just, it was sort of a, a hobble to the finish line type vibe for me. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with you. I mean, I think you look at the first half and you're kind of like, yeah, there's there's signs of hope. Like if Iowa can keep it up offensively, then, <clears throat> you know, there's a shot. But just the way that Oregon came out to close out the first half and, you know, the way they started in the second half, hitting a couple shots. I mean, LJ Figueroa, it seemed like everything he went, he put up went down. And, you know, same thing with Duarte. They were, they were just clicking on all cylinders. And, yeah, I mean, when this Iowa team, I mean, that's kind of been – that's kind of been the story with this team. And there's been a lot of what, if, what ifs. Like, we know Luca Garza brought it, but, you know, what if C.J. Frederick would have been healthy all year? What if Jack Nungy still would have been healthy? What if Joe Wieskamp didn't, you know, do whatever to his Achilles in that in that regular season finale against Wisconsin? You know, I think that's what's one thing people are going to look back on um, with this team. And, 
you know, it stinks, but I think there was there was definitely a lot of potential that could have been that could have been filled that just wasn't. And you know, you don't want to say it's all injuries. Maybe you put it on execution and you know, defense. I think that's definitely played a role. But I think one of the things that you gotta look back at with this game is you just gotta tip your hat to Oregon because they played they played really good basketball. And I you know I broke it down earlier in the podcast talking about it, but you know, they were just clicking. Like there was just, it honestly seemed like they were always finding the open man, just everything was working for them. And, you know, that stinks that Iowa ran to a buzzsaw like that. I mean, you don't want to discuss seeds because I kind of feel like that's a cliche nowadays, especially with Loyola Chicago. But, you know, I think Oregon just absolutely outmatched Iowa. And, you know, that's the luck. That's the, that's what stinks about the NCAA tournament. Like, you know, that's what makes it so special though. You get to see different teams, but every game is a matchup, no matter what's ranked. I mean, yeah, a 16 seed is already, has only been the one seed once, but you know you're seeing more 215 upsets. You're seeing more 314s. Obviously, the 512 is the upset that's so notable. But you know, and Fran McCaffrey talked about it before the tournament. It's like there's no such thing as an upset in this tournament because every team is good. You know, they might not play the best teams in conference, might not have the best players, but they have guys that can play basketball and they win games to get to the tournament, you know, and they match up. That's yeah. what it is. It's matchups. It's all yep. matchups. Yep. And that's what, uh, that's just the way the cookie crumbles and how the chips fell into place. But now it's going to be a new era of Iowa basketball. And obviously we'll have much more coverage on, on today's game. We have it at Hawkeye insider. We'll, uh, we'll definitely do another podcast, Sean, just when we can take a step back and really evaluate the season and what the future of this team is. But I think you and I both thought it was important just to get some initial thoughts out there following the game, obviously a disappointing ending um, just with all the expectations and everything. And, and as we kind of mentioned, hanging into this game or hanging to the tournament, Sean, with Fran getting a four-year extension, you know, everyone's kind of up in arms right now, just because Iowa's uh, streak of just not making the sweet 16 is going to continue for, for a bit longer, but I think Iowa has the potential to be a much better defensive team next year, but that offense I think could take a giant step back and it's really good to depend on what Joe Wieskamp officially decides to do. And if some guys can continue to develop jump shots and, you know, we'll, we'll see where it goes. There's a lot of questions, but I think that just with everything going on that Luca, you talk about leaving the jersey in a better place. I mean, I think there's no doubt that Luca Garza, has helped change the the public perception of Iowa basketball. I know, again, Iowa didn't go the postseason, but as far as developing talent, as far as uh, name recognition, I think Luke Garza has done that and so much more uh, for Iowa basketball. So we'll see if Fran uh, can kind of utilize that in the recruiting trail and see what, uh, what they can come up with, because obviously the 2022 class is going to be a big one. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, they got it started with – Riley Mulvey last week, that was a really big pickup, but that was kind of one that, you know, was in the works for a while. Um, I think right now the plan is to get three or four. I think three would be most likely at this point, but, you know, they, we talked about it before too, that getting a guard, I mean, this game kind of tells it as much as anyone that you've got to get a guard that, you know, can slash, that can shoot, that can create, that can just make stuff happen in multiple ways. And, you know, DeSante Bowen, a four-star uh, point guard out of Brewster Academy, originally from Worcester Academy, um, he, he could be a guy that, you know, changes the whole dynamic. I mean, we talk about Joe Toussaint, but 
the thing about Joe is that he was kind of limited on the offensive end, still kind of is. DeSante, you know, is kind of that total package. Um, you know, he can make plays with, you know, his with the dribble, can pass, he can shoot it, he's a really good athlete, really athletic and just all around really good um, guard that, you know, has success, that teams have success with in the NCAA tournament. And if Iowa can get him, then they can really kind of flip the script with that whole, you know, narrative that they don't have a guy that, you know, can be that one to win them games in the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, Tyler Nichol, I think, is a Joe Wieskamp, Jared Utah hybrid. Jaden Shoot, that's going to be a tough one to get, but I think Iowa's right in the thick of it. Um, you know, there's a handful of others as well, but, you know, getting three out of those four would be by far Fran McCaffrey's best recruiting class during his time at Iowa. I think two out of the four is more likely right now, but three out of the four might – there could be a shot there. So we'll see what happens. And obviously, Sean will have that all covered at HawkeyeInsider.com. But, Sean, any any kind of final thoughts? We kind of wrap this up. Again, I think it's a, it's a, it's a sad kind of disappointing ending for a team that, you know, I hope fans remember fondly. I know they weren't allowed to go see this team this year. But with all the adversity that this team's gone through this year, you think about how many individual stories there are. Jordan Bohan's two hip surgeries. Luca Garza likely winning National Player of the Year. Him coming back. Um the the cyst they had removed going into a sophomore year you think of the, the jack nunji injury you could just go basically down the list i mean there are so many just great storylines with this team obviously the postseason is it will be always remember to be will always be remembered as a disappointing ending but i hope people can kind of separate the two from the postseason ending but still really kind of appreciate the guys that did form the team and all that they've gone through just to make the season even possible yeah, without a doubt, you know, this was definitely, I mean, people think, look at this season as disappointing with them not going far, but I think you got to look at the whole body of work and, you know, go from there. But yeah, it's going to be, I think it'll be tough for a lot of people to, you know, fully dissect it and fully be able to uh, kind of relive what happened and, you know, how, how to like kind of just look at it at a positive light. So we'll, uh, you know, again, Sean, we'll, we'll kind of take it, take a step back and uh, evaluate everything when this is all said and done, but be sure to follow Sean at SBOC 247, follow us at Hawkeyes on 247, follow me at David Eicholt. But yeah, well, plenty of coverage from this game. And I guess, Sean, it's, it's on a spring football now. Yep. Just announced the dates for that. So looking forward to that as well. So uh, yeah, next week starts all up. So uh Again, HawkeyeInsider.com. Stay tuned for the most in-depth, exclusive coverage covering your Iowa Hawkeyes. But until then, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.